Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This is the final I am statement, ego emi, ego emi, E-G-O-I-M-A. Ego emi is a Greek word for I am, and I am is a declaration of deity. So every time Jesus says I am, he's saying I am God. So the next time somebody tells you Jesus never said he was God, you can say yes, he did. Every time he said I am, he was saying I am God. I told you last time that this was Jesus' final here in John 15, Jesus' final I am statement in John's gospel. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. Before Abraham was, anybody know? I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here in John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. You know, I find it interesting. I certainly don't want to build any doctrine on it or anything like that, but I do find it interesting that Jesus' last and final I am statement has its connection to that of unity and oneness. I am the vine. That speaks of oneness and connection. Again, no doctrine, just making a statement here. And can I encourage you, as you're abiding and God is using you and you start to see fruit, more fruit, much fruit in your life, stay humble. Stay humble. Stay before God. Continue to lean on God. Because what happens is people, when you start bringing forth fruit, God is using you. God is using you in the ministry. God's blessing you. You start to bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. People start to tell you how wonderful you are, how great you are. And before you know it, you start to believe the press. And you're like, you know, yeah, you know, I am, I am pretty awesome. You know, I'm really not so bad. I'm really pretty good. You start to believe that. And and you start to lose that, 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 that connection to the vine because you're losing your understanding that the only reason why you are bearing fruit, the only reason why you're bearing much fruit, the only reason why you're bearing more fruit is because of your connection to the vine. Remember, we already established that your energy and your source and your power come from the vine. It doesn't come from you. It ain't about you. You're not that wonderful. Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell them they're not that wonderful. Some of y'all been waiting to do that anyway. (laughs) Y'all been waiting for that moment. There, I just helped you out. I gave you, I threw you a bone. There you go. 
You're not that great. The reason why you're bearing fruit, I'm just playing with y'all. The reason why you're bearing fruit is because you're connected to the vine. The reason why you're bearing fruit is that because you're connected to Jesus. It's Jesus doing the work. Stay humble. Hudson Taylor said this, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. I like that. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse five and six. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of our being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from who, saints? Is it on the screen? Y'all said it like y'all were guessing. <laughs> but our sufficiency is from who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills. Come on, read it with me. But the spirit gives life. Word for the day. Stay humble. Jesus uses humble people. Jesus was humble and we should be humble. And if you're not willing to walk in humility, you can't abide. First Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I told you the one condition of the heart is that God will resist pride. I told you the story of the pastor who was voted the most humble pastor in America. And the congregation gave him a medal that read to the most humble pastor in America. And then they had to take it from him the next Sunday because he wore it. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. Somebody once said the problem with humility is when you realize you have it, you just lost it. As soon as you think I sure am humble, you ain't. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible and there's a lot of verses in the Bible, y'all. Amen. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. You don't have to make it your favorite verse, but it's my favorite verse. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. I love that. People come to me all the time. Pastor Rodney, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my purpose is in life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what's, what's going on. I tell them, I know what you're supposed to do. You do? Yeah, I do. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. You do those three things, you will be right with God. Do those three things, you'll be abiding in Christ. Do justly, love mercy, Walk humbly before your God. You'll continue to bear fruit. Abiding means, point number one, we are one with Christ. Point number two, let's move on. Abiding means we are dependent on Christ. Look at John chapter 15. Y'all still with me? Look at John chapter 15. Look at verse five. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The branches that abide in the true vine are those who are saved and dependent on the vine for everything. Many times Christians are accused of being, you know, religious escapists. I've had people say, you know, you Christians are escapists because we as believers, we believe in the rapture of the church. Where are my people at? 
We believe in the rapture of the church. In other words, we believe that before the great wrath of God is poured out upon the earth, Christians will be raptured. Christians will be taken out. We will be snatched away, violently snatched away is what it means. We'll be violently ripped off of this earth, and then God's wrath will come on the earth. We believe in the rapture. Uh, We call ourselves here at Calvary Chapel pre-tribulationist. That means we hold a pre-tribulation view. Pre, before the tribulation comes, we believe God's going to come get us. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. 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 Pre-tribulation. And you know there are four positions concerning the tribulation. There's pre-trib, tribulationist. There's post-tribulationist. And they believe that the church is going to be here and then be taken uh, be here during the tribulation and then be taken after the tribulation, caught up, be with the Lord after the tribulation. So there's pre-tribulation, post-tribulationist. Um, um, uh, what's up? Mid-tribulationist, thank y'all. Mid-tribulationist. And uh, anybody want to come preach? <laughs> there's pre-tribulationist, post-tribulationist, mid-tribulationist. Meaning some people think the first three and a half years and then God's going to come and get us and then the other three and a half years of wrath on the earth. And then there's pan-tribulationists, people that believe that uh, it'll all pan out in the end, so don't worry about it. <laughs> there are those people. Here at Calvary Chapel, we hold a pre-trib position. Jesus is coming for the church. Somebody clap your hands before the tribulation. So there are people who say that, you know, you Christians, you know, you're a bunch of escapists. You, you know, you, you guys use Jesus as a religious crutch. Listen, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, I absolutely do use Jesus as a crutch. He is my crutch. And without him, I'd be flat on my face. There'd be no, no questions asked. And by the way, everybody has a crutch. Some people's crutch is drugs. Some people's crutch is rock and roll. Some people's crutch is hip hop. Amen. I had to throw that in there for some of y'all. Make sure I catch everybody. Some, <laughs> some of y'all crutches is, is, is your bank account. I mean, zeros you have in your bank account. You feel comfortable. Get those zeros down, you start feeling uncomfortable. That's your crutch. Some people's crutches their education. They're always talking about their education and where they graduated and how many degrees they have and how many letters they have after their name. They got an MS and a BS and an MEA and a MA and a MAA and a AAA and a. <laughs> and that's their crutch. Some people, that's their crutch. Jesus is my crutch. Jesus says to us, He wants us to lean on Him. He wants to be your crutch. He wants you to lean on Him. And many times, listen, God will allow things to happen in your life so that you don't have anything else to lean on. Your mama can't help you. Your daddy can't help you. Money can't help you. Religion, rank, prestige can't help you. Jesus is your only source and the only one that can help you. And God arranges it sometime that way. And when life comes at you, and life comes at you fast, we need to know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and we stay connected to that vine. The truth be told, saints, listen, we are more dependent on the vine than we realize. We are more dependent on the Holy Spirit than we think. Listen to this article from the Associated Press. They released a study done by the Agricultural School in Iowa. Listen, it reported to produce 100 bushels of corn 
from one acre land, in addition to many hours of farm labor, required 4 million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and other elements too numerous to list. In addition to these, which no man can produce, rain, sunshine at just the right critical time. It was estimated that only 5% of the produce of a farm can be attributed to the effort of man. Think about that. And if we are honest, we'd have to admit the same is true in the Christian life, in producing spiritual fruit. There's very little effort on your part. All you have to do is stay connected. The branch is so dependent on the vine, apart from the vine, the branch will die. And that's why it's critical that we abide in Christ. If a person does not abide, that's only proof that they were never really connected, that they were professors, but not possessors. They were pretenders. They were make-believers, not believers. Don't you understand that just because somebody says that I'm connected to the vine and I'm a Christian doesn't mean that they really are. You know, far too often I think that born-again, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving Christians are far too willing to separate the message from the messenger. I'll say that again. Far too often, born-again, spirit-filled, God-loving people are far too often willing to separate the message from the messenger. Have you noticed when an athlete or somebody gets famous, uh, the, the world just blows up? They are on every interview, and, you know, if, you, if you're famous and you're a Christian, you're on every TV show, every interview. You become the poster child for, for, for Christianity because you're famous. Listen, there's nothing more special about someone being famous and becoming a Christian than there is for the guy who works at McDonald's flipping burgers and become a Christian. The reality is both of them were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Period. It's all the same. It's, it's all the same. They both had the same experience. And so many times these people who are saved, they make a profession of their faith. But then you watch them and some years later, and what are they saying? And what are they doing? And the media grabs them immediately and they start to, you know, say this and that for Christ. But give them some time. What are they saying? What are they doing? And how are they living? And then some of them aren't living for the Lord at all so many years later. And then we say, oh, well, they lost their salvation. They didn't lose their salvation. They never really were. They had a profession of faith, but not a possession of faith. Uh, Did you get that? They had a profession of faith. They were pretenders. They're pretenders in church. There are people in church right now in this sanctuary. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But right now in this sanctuary, they have no real connection to the vine. People come to church for a lot of different reasons. Some husbands come to church because their wives ask them to. I remember last Mother's Day, I met a guy, hey, first time here? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here. My, my wife asked me to come to church where there's a Mother's Day gift. I said, well, that's mighty kind of you. She took the hand, my, nice. Well, I'll see you next Mother's Day then. <laughs> People come to church for all different kind of reasons. 
Some youth come to church because their parents made them come to church. And don't get me wrong, I've got no problem with that. For those of y'all that know me, you know I'm old school. Okay, if you live in my house, I'm not going to give you the address. But if you live in my house, one time I did that from the pulpit. My secretary told me, she went, uh, don't do that. I had to edit that part out. If you live in my house, pray for me. If you live in my house, you go going to church. Ask any of my kids, they'll tell you. You go to my house, I don't leave my house with nobody in the bed. Is that right? Not unless there's the rare occasion that I'm leaving. Well, I'm a pastor, so it's a whole different, a whole different deal now. But I'm leaving early. But you come to church. You live in my house. You are going to church. That's just the way we do it in the Finch house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going, you're going to church. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. You're going to church. People go to church for many reasons. Jesus, listen isn't asking you to go to church. Jesus is pleading and might have, in the Greek language, abide in me. There is a plea. There is a heart's cry. There is a begging that's associated with these words. He's begging them, pleading with them, abide in me. Begging them, you abide in me, abide in the vine, stay connected with me. Point number three, we got to move on. Abiding in Christ means total obedience to Christ. Saints, look at chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my, what saints? Commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. Look at chapter 14. Go back to chapter 14 in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, my word and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Look at verse 23 of chapter 14. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Every true disciple who is connected to the vine, you will see two things. Listen, look at me. Every single disciple who is connected to the vine, you will see two things from their life, love and obedience. Love and obedience. You know, I heard people say, oh, the Christian life is hard. It's hard being a Christian. It's difficult to be a Christian. Listen, I will tell you something. It's not difficult to be a Christian. Conversely, it's very easy. Easy? Yeah, it's easy. Now, I'm not talking about the daily trials and the struggles of life. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. Sickness is going to come in your house just like it comes to the Christian's house. Uh, financial troubles are going to come in your house just like it comes to the Christian's house. Problems are going to come, come in your house just like it comes to the Christian's house. Wayward children are going to come to your house just like it comes to the Christian's house. Those kind of things will happen. But spiritually being a Christian and abiding in Christ is the easiest thing one can do. Being a non-believer, the Bible says, is hard. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 tells us the way of the transgressor is hard. So the Bible tells us, conversely, to walk in sin is difficult. 
Huh? To walk in sin is difficult. To walk with God is very easy. The Bible tells us, abide in him. Simply hang out. Love and obey, and you will bear much fruit. If you just love God, and you'll find yourself obeying God, because obedience naturally springs out of love. There is a way to know, listen, if a person is a believer or a make-believer. If the person's a believer, they'll keep his commandments. If a person's a make-believer, he won't keep his commandments. It's that simple. We complicate it, don't we? When a person becomes a Christian, there's a change in their life. Can more than two people say amen? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. When you become a Christian, I do not believe. Hear me, I go on record. I do not believe that it is possible for you to become a Christian and there be no change in your life. I don't believe it. It's not possible. Impossible. Impossible. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Impossible. It is. It is. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of you and you're a born again Christian, there's not only a change on the inside because now you're filled with the life of God in Christ Jesus. But you're also going to show forth because there is a change on the inside. Y'all pray for me. Because there's a change on the inside, that change is going to manifest itself on the outside. And there's going to be a change. And even so much a change where you don't even look the same. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you were black and now you look white. I'm not saying that. Okay, write that down. Don't, don't say I said that now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you're going to look different. Somebody once said, you, you, you're not, you, not going to walk the same way anymore. You're not going to talk the same way anymore. You're not going to speak the same way anymore and go the same places that you used to go anymore and hang out with the same people you used to hang out with. That's not going to happen. There's going to be a change, a real change, a change in your relationship with sin. A true Christian no longer loves sin as he once did. A true Christian no longer brags about their sin as he once did. A true Christian no longer plans to sin as he once did. If you're truly abiding in the vine, there's going to be a real change in your life where you used to be grumpy and now you're grateful. You used to be cheap and now you're still cheap. I mean, no, I'm sorry. You used to be cheap. Now you're less cheap. I mean, no, wait. You used to be cheap. And now you're not cheap. You used to beat people up. And now you're picking people up. You used to steal and now you give. You used to lie and now you tell the truth most of the time. True Christianity. <laughs> slide that in there. True Christianity will not allow hate and bigotry to sit on the shelf. It will push it off because the resident Holy Spirit has been imparted into your life and, 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 and there's a change in your life. Obedience to God's word is proof that you're a Christian. There are three motives for obedience. Better pen. You can obey because you have to. You can obey because you need to. You can obey because you want to. You can obey because you have to. A slave obeys because he has to. If he doesn't, he'll be punished. 
You can obey because you need to. An employee obeys because he needs to. He might not enjoy the work, but he enjoys the cheddar. I'm sorry. That's money. Money. The green stuff, dead presidents. Money. To pay the bills. Put cereal on the table. I'm just joking, y'all. You can obey because you want to. Christians, we get to. We get to. We get to. Christians obey because we want to. Because we love the Lord. We're in relationship with God. That relationship is motivated by love. We get to worship God. We get to come to church. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to worship the Lord. You don't have to read your Bible. It is a blessing for you to come to church. It's a blessing for you to read your Bible. It's a blessing for you to worship the Lord. Don't get it twisted. God is not sitting in heaven going, you know what? Man, I wish that guy would hurry up and start worshiping me. My day's not going to be the same if he doesn't worship. Well, if he doesn't come to church, man, what am I going to do? I'm going to fall off the throne. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.